0: Hey everyone, it's Pacific, and welcome to episode 6 of Margaret's Garden. If you like the show and you like what we do here, the best way to support us is by leaving a review for us on Apple Podcast. That is the best way to get our show into the ears of new listeners. As always, if you're interested in getting early or ad-free access to any of the Midnight Disease shows, like Margaret's Garden, The Hotel, The Theater of Tomorrow, or Out of Place... Head to midnightdisease.net slash join, where for only five dollars a month you can get early and ad free access to all those shows, plus exclusive merchandise, and much, much more. But without further ado, this week's episode.
1: Welcome back, friends. When we last saw Agents Washington and Harris, they'd just left the monastery, where Agent Harris had witnessed a gruesome sacrifice. Now we find them making their way into the night and the forest kingdom of the fortune teller. Who is the fortune teller? Well, they're not sure yet, but you can be sure that more than fortunes will be told when it's all said and done. Here they come now. So, we need to find the fortune teller...
2: Yep, more of this quest bullshit. This world's rules are really starting to bug me. And restore Pasha. Hi. Yes, and restore Pasha. You're really enjoying yourself, aren't you, Harris? What?
3: Me? (laughs) No.
2: Yes, you. All this fucking King Arthur shit questing about, seeking fortune and fame. You're having fun, right? I mean, it's kinda, you know, there's... There's parts. Fuck me, what are you, some kind of D&D nerd? Magic the Gathering, Settlers of Catan, which one is it?
3: No, you need friends for all that. I'm a lone wolf, more of an RPG guy. Final Fantasy games were- Shit. What? You telling me you never played video games? I'm not saying that. I'm
2: not a Luddite. Huh. My sister and I had an NES growing up. My parents had actually forbidden us from having one. Cancer or something, they said. Some crazy rumors going around, but we got one from a friend of mine. After the Super Nintendo came out, we snuck it into the house. We would play it while my parents were out. I was a video game rebel. Classic. We had this one game, what was it called? Ploink? Boink? Something like that. You were this little orange hexagon, but you had legs. And you ran around, and you had to get all the grapes. But there was this bee. And this bee was also your mom. And the bee mom would take your grapes and turn them into records. Records? Yeah, like the old 45s. Vinyl. LPs. Oh. Okay. Anyway, the bee at the beginning of this level would say, I love you. Because it was your mom.
3: But it was always, always trying to ruin your game. Typical mom. What? Nothing. So, what do you do? Stop the bee? Cut a hit single? Kill the mom? I don't get it. Nope, I don't think you could
2: stop the bee. You just sort of kept getting the grapes, and then the colors in the background would change. And you'd do another level. And the grapes were a little bigger, and the bee was a
3: little bit faster. Okay. So you beat this completely boring and uninspired game? No, or... I can't really remember.
2: Maybe eventually the bee got too fast for us. Maybe the grapes got so big it takes up the whole screen and you just... It doesn't matter. Our parents ended up busting us after a week. We'd actually been fighting over the controller. It was just one more reason for my folks. My dad took the console outside and actually stomped on it. It was really bizarre. Probably the most melodramatic thing he'd ever done. (sighs) My sister and I were totally shocked by him doing that. Scarred, maybe... I remember, like, years later, finding pieces of that Nintendo in the yard. Either way, the whole scene totally ruined my sister and I on video games.
3: Yeah, that's kinda fucked up.
2: I guess. It really does seem strange telling you about it, like... It was somebody else, almost. Never did anything like that before. Or
3: after. We've all had fucked up childhoods, Wash, you wouldn't believe some of the shit my parents pulled. Growing up with Asperger's wasn't exactly easy on them or me. My
2: wife plays Fortnite. I don't get it.
3: Your wife plays Fortnite?
2: Not professionally. Not anymore.
3: Professionally?
2: Wait, that's... It's not that strange. No, not that. Those trees. I swear that we've passed them. Harris, there's a lot of trees out here. We are in a forest. Quit tripping.
3: No, those are the exact same trees. I'm telling you, look. They're also over there. What? Look right there. Look at the trunk, the branches. All these trees are the exact same. We're in some kind of... The weaver. The what?
4: The weaver is close. He threads realities. Works for the Everetts. Catches things. We must take care.
2: How do we do that? And why aren't you telling us these things? Jesus, Pasha, are you with us or not?
3: Nothing.
4: Nothing to do. Nothing to tell. We've already stepped into his web. He's dissolving reality to catch us.
2: What's no? What does...
1: Sorry, folks. Agent Washington isn't going to be able to get this last question out. Not before, that is, the entire universe breaks apart and shatters like a crystal glass in the path of a well-trained opera singer. The shattered fragments of reality, the matter of their bodies, and the energies of their minds start to tumble and fall through the empty vacuum that is the surreal construct of the Weaver's Net. What if?
3: What if? What if? What if? what, What if? What if? I'm too small.
1: I'm a balloon now. Oh boy. She is, folks. Washington has begun to inflate like an actual balloon. Inside her is a collection of scraps and memories, whirling about like paper confetti.
3: home. is their home. There are seven trains. Seven trains carrying seven emotions in seven different directions. If they each travel at the speed of sadness, how long until they reach Boston?
2: Now we're all apples on a tree.
1: And they are. This is getting trippy for the agents, right? But it's just the truth of their moment. They are three bright gold apples, hanging heavy and sweet, on an enormous tree.
3: Whoa. What in the fuck? We're apples, Wash? Yes, we are. Apples, are we? You're, uh... The Washington Apple.
1: Oh, Harris, you scoundrel. Washington won't be able to clap back at this one, though. The Weaver shimmers into existence and moves to pluck them from their tree.
2: Uh, please don't You'll bruise us A reward
4: for me And a godly one too I'm not sure why but For the likes of you Escape you may If you but try Your bonds may have figments But tight they bind And when anon The trying's done You'll see you lost.
1: And it's they who've won. Oh man, they're a weaver, alright. But they're also not alone.
5: Let them be.
4: Ah, she rises. The wind it tells. I knew I'd heard. I thought I felt. What brings her here brings her to us many clocks gone round since you've come Thus, these my captives worth a great deal the brothers seek and they have the seal
5: the brothers weaver the same brothers that poison this place with their time and matter the same brothers that are attempting to rid themselves of our world, even if it means tearing this entire universe apart and leaving us to whatever dark ends they might. Those brothers.
4: If we're dead, I'd rather die rich. A mausoleum for rest. And not the ditch.
5: Rich! <laughs> you withered fool! Rich! A lie! A trap! Don't tell me you're still falling for that. We've been led headlong into blindness. There will be no mausoleums or ditches for our kind. Can't you see what fools we've been? We must grope our way back into the light, casting off their corporal chains rich, as if such a thing could ever exist in the outer world.
3: Who is that? Her blue hair is like music. We're still apples. What's Rasha doing?
4: I think they're asleep. I am asleep. Surely chest. I think that you play. It is you entwined in the human way.
5: Once, no more. Those days are over, old friend. I've come to Palomar.
4: What power have you? Where changes now? an alien, a daughter, disowned.
5: She sent me for them.
4: Traitor, the author true of all our ills. Mark my words, the blood, our blood, she will spill.
5: Traitor? No, weaver. She is no traitor. She is our
3: saviour. Are they talking about what I think they're talking about? I think there's a worm in me. Why are we apples?
5: Why are there apples?
3: What is there apples?
4: My magic wanes. Dissolving like A bargain made or end and night.
5: I'll give you something equal to their worth, you old bastard. My left hand. We both know the power it contains.
4: Magic dark and spark there severed. If the deal you make you won't ever... I know
5: what's being tendered. It's my price to pay if I choose
4: it. As you wish and as you like.
1: A dreadful arc And with that, the strange woman removes her left hand and gives it to the weaver. They vanish, taking with them a warped reality and the grisly prize. The agents and Pasha are instantly transformed back into their unappled selves. Holy
5: shit, what in the fuck was that? Welcome to Outer World, friends. We were apples! That was the weaver, a lost soul. A hunter of the Barons of Outer World. Their net was cast about you, but don't despair. The charm will pass in time. Hi, I'm Pasha. Of course you are. You called out, old friend. And just in time, I only just heard you. I'm Pasha. Who are you? You don't remember me, Pasha?
3: They lost their body. As you can see, apparently a bunch of memories were in there. Something that... In the body, that is. Oh.
2: Makes sense. Does it? I'm glad you think so.
5: Either way, the weaver is gone. We are well met along the way, and you should be safe. For the time being.
2: That's great. Really reassuring. Next question. What the fuck is going on? One more question. Who the fuck are
5: you? I am Pythia. I was sent to help. Someone. Pasha sense the weaver's web and called out she heard and i was immediately dispatched to see you past the weaver's devices and on to the mountain the weaver's web aren't they one of you another one of you it's not really easy to explain is it ever i don't understand this place why are so many of you working for the evertons what's the appeal i've always liked your human stories about the frog in the pot
2: frog in the pot Boiling a frog in the pot. You toss the frog in and then heat up the water, rather than throwing the unlucky fuck right into the boiling pot. They never feel
5: a thing. Ah, right. We are the frogs. The Ever People shared with us so many things. Dark things. Civilization and greed and want. Blood and money and commerce. Their capital arts created factions... Just like it did in your world. It's messy all the way around. Surely you know the cost of human folly, know the slow boiling of
3: your own pots. All too well. Jesus, man. This is depressing. So, are there any other humans that support you? Is it possible that not a single person in Everton has a conscience? Once, there
5: were allies of the Eternals. There's no doubt. Those that couldn't bear the enslavement, or the sport-killing of my kind. Those who risked everything to stand by us rather than just stand by. But that was many rounds of the clock ago. The revolt, as the lords like to call it, brought out an even uglier side to our new masters. And then came the bombing. A dark day. Many lives were lost and much blood was shed, both Everton and outer world blood. The mall was completely destroyed. They said it was one of us, of course. And maybe it was. If it was an eternal, it was one who'd learned their destructive craft at the feet of the master. So, what you're saying
2: is, my partner and I have essentially stumbled into the last act of a civil war? the Eternals, and the Evertons.
5: That is the better part of what is happening here, I suppose. You've hardly stumbled, though. You've been called to account. Surely you see that. The Power Surge, Pasha, myself, we all serve.
2: Margaret. Perhaps. Okay, I get it, and frankly, I'm sick of asking. Every world plays by its own rules. If this is the game, let's play on. I
3: imagine you'd rather return to your own world. I'll field this one, Wash. Yes, absolutely. We want to go home.
2: And naturally. We're compelled to abide by the agency directive which binds us to ensuring that human malfeasance, whether in this world or the next, is ended. And justice, in whatever form, is ultimately brought to bear. Right, partner?
3: Yes, of course. My wiser and stable partner is right. We would love to go home, but we're also committed to making things right here. And frankly, I've had more than I can stomach of these brothers and their city upon the hill. There's no way, not while I'm around, that these fucks shred the universe just to get back home. Not after all the crap they've done here. They will need to stand and give account. I
2: couldn't have said it better myself. Huh.
3: Thank you, Washington.
2: You got it, kid. Anyways... We're supposed to find this fortune teller. We're not sure why. Not really. A finger pointing to the moon kind of thing, I think. They may be able to help Pasha, too. Or so we were led to believe. Pasha is a bit of a lighthouse. You wouldn't happen to know the way, would you? Or who exactly we're looking for? She is...
5: a bit of a mystery to us. I know her. And the way. We will journey together, down the Serpent's Road.
3: Yeah, that sounds fun. Ignore him. I'm joking. We're not talking about real snakes, right? It's a metaphor, right? The Serpents do not bother with human affairs. Usually. That was all before
5: Everton, the Younger, left the protection of the Dome and took residence in the castle of the Mount Though. Since his arrival, things have taken on a sinister effect.
2: The younger. Do you mean Ernie? Ernie
5: left Everton? As I said, it's been. messy. A rift has emerged. The elder Everton and the scientist have fallen under the spell of the sacred book. That and the energy of this place. It is for humans. How is it said? Ah, a drug. The Younger has taken his leave. Okay, well, that's huge.
2: If they're divided, this could be our advantage. How do you know
5: this? I was... a part of it, in a way.
1: I mean, aren't we all a part of it? Doesn't our simply existing in the world make us a part of it? Whether it's this world or the next? It's only the passing of time that permits us to see how we've tipped the proverbial scales. Yes, The passing of time. Speaking of, let's pop backwards and earthwards to Everton and check in on Ernie and Margaret. Safe, sound, and sold. Warm and protected. Inside the embryonic embrace of Everton, circa 1952. An ordered community amidst a chaotic world. But chaos must inevitably bump into order at one time or another. Isn't that right? Ernie Everton is about to smash face-first into it. He's about to discover a strange visitor to Everton, perhaps the strangest yet, walking the early morning streets. Cheese on toast! Hey! Miss!
6: Miss! Miss? Miss? Miss, are you alright? Are you okay? What's happened? What has happened? Oh, boy! What happened to your... your clothes? I mean... They've, you're, well, you don't have any, I mean... Coat. Here, here, would you like my coat? To put, uh, put on my coat. Put I my mean. coat on.
7: Oh! <laughs> it feels funny. The sounds. I feel them in my... Mm,
6: you're not a... Mouth! Jeez, um, miss. Do you want the coat? I mean, are you alright? Have you been in... I, I don't know. Is, or rather, was there... An accident? i I mean, are you hurt? Hurt?
1: Don't worry, folks. She's not hurt. Feeling no pain at all. No, this Venetian beauty is right as the rain. Our pal Ernie is just having a hard time seeing it. Ernie's no prude, but he does have that kind of shameless heart. And here it goes. Thump, thump, thump. Oh, poor guy. Look at how hard he's trying not to stare. He's so chivalrous, not a prude at all. Either way, he's seeing a lot of her feet as he follows this strange and lovely creature down the street. And he can't help but noticing that wherever this woman steps, small flowers spring up in an instant and wrap around her toes, like lapping green and blue and yellow tongues. And as soon as she steps away, they wither and die and then disappear. Normally, you might be thinking that Ernie is definitely on some pretty good drugs. Or maybe that he's having some kind of psychotic episode. But in this case, you'd be wrong. Strange things have been afoot in Everton just lately. Although, this strange thing may be slightly stranger than usual.
6: Are you... Uh... Are you, uh... You're one of them, aren't you? Them? You know, you're, you're from... well, You're from where the power comes from from the wells, right? We dropped those energy wells and now all of these... rips. These tears between our worlds. These monsters or aliens. I-, I don't know what. But these things are busting through. Goddamn cracking. These creatures, they just come right on through. Like they don't know any better.
7: Yes! Yes, monsters. I see the word. It's not right, but... But it also is... Yes. I'm looking for my monsters. Do you have them?
6: Oh. Um, well, you see, they're not... they... aren't you cold, miss?
7: What's cold?
6: Oh boy, you're definitely one of them. But jeez, you're no monster. That's for sure. Gosh, uh, let's get you off the sidewalk. We're probably causing palpitations all up and down
1: the street. Uh, My place is just... Just right this way. Ernie ushers her inside his lovely model home and into his state-of-the-art kitchen and draws her a glass of water out of his stainless steel kitchen faucet. Super impressive. Or so Ernie briefly thinks. Ernie's new friend doesn't seem all that impressed, though, as she awkwardly raises the glass, staring intently at the water inside. She raises it up above her head, And then she pours the water into her cupped hand, where, rather than running onto the floor like you'd think it would, the water obeys some unseen force around her hand, which shapes it into the long and elegant stalk of a fully-bloomed lily.
6: That's... uh, gee whiz, that's amazing. I was... I mean, how do you... how are you...
1: I was thinking you'd drink it. Ernie's new friend doesn't seem to hear him, though. She just carries on, playing with the water, distracted, completely unaware of Ernie's gaping mouth.
7: Sometimes your seeds get through the cracks and grow in our world. Did you know that? Is that right? Seeds? Yes, it is. I've seen them, watched them. The seeds... I lived inside a beautiful... Daffodil? Yes, that's the word. I just went into your mind and found it. Daffodil. It was a daffodil. I lived inside it until it died.
6: You... I'm sorry, you what? You went into my mind? Is that what you just said?
7: To find what was needed.
6: Oh, whoa. Please don't do that. Don't go into my mind. Please... It's, uh...
7: Oh, I'm... Sorry. Yes, I'm sorry. I didn't know it was... Private. Private, yes. I see that now. Sorry, I'm still eating your mind, Dictionary. No, not eating. Reading. But now, I believe that I am done. I will cease reading your mind.
1: She looks away from the water and up into Ernie's face. The water falls, splashing her thighs and belly. She smiles at Ernie. A little coyly. he thinks.
7: <laughs> it's fun. Talking. I see why you do it so much. Your people. You can share with others. So many things with the word shapes. You can build so many things right inside each other's minds without ever going into the minds. The words do all the building... Amazing
0: sure
6: yeah the the word shapes, sure they do, I mean, I suppose I never thought of it like that, but yeah, I suppose it is a little like building. that's something I know a little bit about building that is I'm a a builder of sorts y- you know, I-, I saw you once, I mean, I think it did i we uh haven't met. Or anything. But but I think, I mean, I could swear I've seen you before. In a vision. You see, my brother Eddie has this book and... Well, it's a long story. I don't even know the whole of it, really. It was like some kind of fever dream I don't normally believe in. Well, you know. But I saw you... And the flowers. I saw all that. And your name. Name? Yeah, your name. I mean, I thought it was. It just. I didn't exactly see it, but I. You know, I heard it. A whisper. Margaret. 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 The whisper kept saying that name. Nothing else.
7: Margaret. That's a name. It means... Yes, it means pearl. But also, more than that, it is not directly... It comes from... Oh, so many words. All these strange and lovely sounds. They all They sound so different, but they all come from the same tree. I can't believe that you hold them all. It's a miracle. Oh, if you
6: say so. It's...
7: Margaret. I'm Margaret. That is my name. That is good. Yes, I should put on clothes. I see that now. Can you get me some clothes?
6: Well, sure. I mean, I don't have any dresses, or... I can get some, though, when Danbrook's opens. I could picture old Bill Danbrook now watching me shop for dresses. It'll be a hoot.
7: I'm a size seven. I prefer a mid-length, maybe? Something with a bit of color, but not garish. Sensible shoes. I can make a list. Yes, I am good at this. I know all the words.
6: Oh boy, sure you do. So, I'll get you a dress. Some shoes. Maybe I'll pick you up a few dresses. In for a penny, as they say.
7: In for a pound.
6: (laughs) Ha ha, yes. That's right, Margaret. In for a penny, in for a pound.
7: It is fun here. I want to stay.
6: Stay? Sure, that'd be... Yes, that'd be alright, I suppose. Why don't you stay for a bit?
7: Yes, I'll stay.
6: Do do, do you mean here? Uh, I mean, I don't... I don't mean to propose. Or, no, not propose. I meant uh, assume. I mean, I'm, I'm just was saying, if you want to uh, stay just for a bit, I meant... But, um... I suppose I've got... the room. That's all I'm saying. You'd... you'd be welcome. That That's what I mean to say.
7: I'd be delighted. And Etiquette dictates that a guest should never assume a stay longer than half no, a... No, please.
6: Etiquette. S- stay. No one here but me, and, like I said, I've got the room. Two extra bedrooms, in fact.
7: I could split myself in half and stay in each. But that's not right. No, it seems... Unnecessary. Yes, it is unnecessary. Right?
6: I meant... that is, uh...
7: (laughs) I know. I was joking. It was humor. I replied in a manner that was unintended, thus creating a false assumption resulting in a surprised reaction. Thus, humor. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was fun.
6: Right. Oh, okay. Very funny. I get it. Split yourself in... half. Very funny.
7: I'm just gaining what is around me. Is that right? Gaining? Not quite. But I don't have the word yet. And I'm adjusting. Adjusting is right. I am adjusting. Oh, and learning. I am learning. That is the word. And you have books. Books are great for learning. Are those books there? I like these books. There's so many words trapped inside them. May I see?
6: Sure. Yeah, take a look. I've got all sorts of books you might like. I'm not much of a reader, you know, but from time to time.
1: Margaret walks into Ernie's living room and up to his little bookshelf, where he keeps his small assortment of books. He's not a big reader, our pal, but he likes the look of books on the shelf. They really help sell the homes. A hint of sophistication, he always thought. But either way, he wasn't much for cracking spines. Every so often, though, Ernie would find himself passing his hands along those leather spines. Sometimes a book even makes its way off the shelf and into his hands, and Ernie will spend some little time thumbing the thick pages of some long-forgotten tome. Margaret has found one that interests her. An old copy of Le Morte d'Arthur. The stories in
7: this one... Oh, yes. These, they speak to me, resonate with me. I'm not quite sure why. Do you know why, Ernie?
6: No, can't say that I do. I'm pretty sure that's the one with all the stories about knights in shining armor and King Arthur. I think that's what the title is. Something about King Arthur. See it there? My brother gave it to me. Not quite my thing. A little too, uh... fantastic, I suppose, for my tastes.
1: Yes. A little too fantastic for our pal. He barely got past the first chapter, if we're shooting straight. He thought the book would be full of action and gore, but... Well, you've read it, haven't you? We all know.
7: The Fisher King has a wound that will not heal. Oh, yes. That seems... It resonates in me. In me? With me.
6: It does, huh? I, uh... That's great. Like I said, I hadn't really gotten around to that one yet. Uh, it's on my list, but, y- you know... I've got... Well, work keeps me pretty busy.
7: Do you want to kiss me, Ernie? Bah uh,
6: w- what? Do I want to... What's that now? I I didn't even, uh, I mean, uh, how do you mean? I think you do. Um, gosh, Miss, uh, Margaret, I, uh, I barely know you. We don't, around here, well, there's a way we do things. Like I said, I, I barely know you.
7: That is correct. Kissing is about knowing something. Deep somethings. I see that now. But it also seems to have little to do with it. So odd. I see that it is also about attraction. Not like the orbs. It is a physical attraction, but one unlike your gravity. It is this body, I believe, that I've constructed. You like it. The shape, its symmetry... It fits the traditional notions of beauty, which is a complex notion regarding aesthetics. It is trapped in time and subjectivity. Like I said, I have been watching. Gaining. No, learning. I have been learning about beauty, too. Do you like this projection?
6: Yes. Yes, you've got beautiful... I mean to say you're, uh, or rather, you've got, yeah. Yeah, 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 you've got beautiful eyes.
7: You've barely looked at my eyes.
6: Well, I mean, geez, you are naked after all. I mean, I can't hardly help my... That's not to say, I mean, I'm not some kind of sex-crazed pervert. What I mean to say is, I'm, I'm not good at all that. I'm pretty simple in
7: my... in... I'm not talking about love, Ernie. I'm talking about the movement of bodies. Frictional energy.
6: Oh. Boy. Well, it's... I don't know what it's like where you come from,
1: but where I come from, we...
7: I'll decide for you.
1: And well, friends, have you ever had a first kiss? Then you know the deal. Fireworks, butterflies, tingling... Butterflies made of tingling fireworks. All the other clichés, too. It's a good one, too. This first kiss between Ernie and Margaret. Deep. Like falling down a bottomless well. Mm.
7: That was interesting. I'm feeling... What is that? My skins are tingling all over and burning. The kiss is making me burn. Oh, do do you feel it too? Isn't it? Oh, my.
6: Yes. It's, uh, well, that was, uh...
7: I think I'd like to eat something now. Yes. This body will eat now, with its mouth. Where the words live. Let's find something for my mouth. I want to stay and try eating and even drinking water.
6: Yes. Yes, we, we can do all that. I can't even believe it. I can't wait to show you- uh, i guess everything. we lucky you look so normal, not like those others. We can try- I'll show you all sorts of things. You'll blend right in.
7: I'll blend in? Oh, I-I don't want that. Do I?
6: Well, I mean, you know, yes, if you want to see things, try things, around town. Eating out or even getting down to Danbrooks. People are... Well, they don't like... You know... Misfits. Freaks. Even human freaks. It's best to fit in. To be regular, and... You being... Well, from... Out of town, and all.
7: Oh. Yes. I understand. I am from out of town... And I've also no clothes. That is... unusual. Right?
6: That's right, it is. I'll make sure that you... that we... I'll get down to Danbrook's right away. I'm sure I've got something around here in the meantime. I'll just get...
7: Good. I will get clothes, and then foods for my mouth. Also exercise and sorrow. I'd like to try those, too. And do you have soup? Soup sounds interesting, it's a drink and a food. My mind doesn't... it doesn't know what to do with this word. With soup.
6: Okay, sure. Yeah, I got a can of Campbell's chicken noodle back in the kitchen. Clothes, and soup. I like a gal who knows what she likes.
7: (laughs) A gal. That's funny. Gal. It comes from the Cockney slang for girl, but it's really not much different girl, gal. Hmm. It was considered vulgar for a time. Are you vulgar, Ernie?
6: Vulgar? God, no. I mean, not vulgar. Uh, I meant gal. In the uh new way. Uh, I'm not vulgar. I mean, maybe. Probably sometimes.
7: I don't think you are. I might have accidentally learned that when I was reading your mind dictionary. I didn't mean to, Tell me more about chicken and noodles, Ernie. Will you?
6: (laughs) Sure, Margaret. I'd love to tell you all about chicken and noodles. So it all started with an egg. Or rather, maybe it started with a chicken. We really don't know. Anyways.
1: And so it began. Pretty standard love story stuff if you leave out all the interdimensional beings and time travel and moral degradation. Just two crazy fools falling in love. Of course, there was no way to know that that love would one day come between Ernie and his brother. Suppose sometimes these things are inevitable. The heart is a jealous thing. Even a brother's heart. But let's not go there. Not just yet.
0: Hey everyone, it's Pacific again, here with a quick ad break. And as a quick reminder, if you hate ads and you'd prefer to go without them, you can get early and ad-free versions of all of our episodes at midnightdisease.net slash join. And now, a word from our sponsors. Alright, thanks for listening, and now, back to the show. Let's return to Agents Harris and Washington,
1: astray in the astral world, still walking along with that other mysterious woman, the one who said she'd guide them to the fortune teller.
4: Okay,
2: just to make it clear, you're not Margaret, right? Hate to beat the dead horse here, but this place, it's a little confusing. What? (laughs) No, I'm not Margaret. You sure? This won't be one of those, oh, it was her the whole time kind of reveals. I'd rather just get right to it. None of that Wizard of Oz
5: shit right. It's frustrating. No, I'm not Margaret. I can assure you. She's a very unique entity. Margaret is... You will know when you meet Margaret.
3: You've met her.
5: (laughs) Naturally. We were one. Our one. Surely you know this by now. We were all mingling in the time before there was time. Before ever time and the ever people. We are eternal. We all remember. I don't. Oh, Pasha, I know. You've given up a great deal to bring our friends forth. Those multitudes, those memories. You've my word, old friend. All will be made whole. Come now. The Serpent's Road awaits.
1: And so it does. And as I'm sure you've guessed, this is no metaphor. The Serpent's Road is really more path than road, and it is indeed crawling with snakes. Or rather, slithering with snakes. Is that right? It seems more accurate. Slithering. The snakes aren't exactly snakes, though. They're more snake-like than actual snakes. They have the appearance of snakes. The scales... The ink blot eyes, the forked tongues. But their behavior, their manner, it's all too human. Uncanny, if you will. Or rather, it's all outworld human. A kind of copycat humanity. The kind of mindless scurrying about that is the true hallmark of our species.
3: Huh. They seem friendly enough. I might have been a little worried.
5: They're not, and they're easily perturbed. So don't touch them, Harris.
3: Was it? Why would I touch them?
5: And mind your steps. Avoid their stone constructions. The pilings are their idols, their gods. They have been developing several religions as of late. Very spiritual, the snakes of Serpent Road. My kind love your human religious expressions. Love to imitate your religious experiences.
3: Outside of the ever-religion of Cadillacs, Creases, and Crosses, right?
5: Yes, outside of that. Although there are still many adherents of the old-time religion of the Lord Brothers, both Everton Eternal and Outworld Eternal. You're from the Outworld, right? Yes, and no. I'm from the Mount of the King, just there in the distance, the sacred place we're now heading to. I've been here since I first embraced corporality. I'm a daughter. That was what I chose to mimic. When Everton closed in around us, I thought the idea of a daughter was... magical. A little one of the Everton Eternals, as they called them. It seemed like such a pure thing to be. I could see that the Evertons had great respect for their daughters. It was a natural choice.
3: I thought you existed before Everton came.
5: Yes, but then I also existed before the before.
3: But how?
2: Let's not get into the weeds again here, Harris. I know. I get it. One time, I saw a bat turn itself inside out, and then into a sandwich that spoke fluent German. It was all part of a Cobalt plan to steal toenails to power a Mingus Drive Eternal contraption machine. Which is to say, the universe is full of weird shit, and this world is weird shit. And if you're going to work for the agency, you gotta embrace the mystery. We've gotta solve the mystery too. Let the chops back in the records sort it all out, okay? I was one of the chops back in records. And now you're in the astral plane carrying around the head of a cosmonaut that's also a sentient galaxy.
1: Hi, I'm Pasha.
2: Fair enough. All the bits and bops aren't going
5: to line up 100%. Right, Pythia? That's right. Things certainly don't. They didn't for me. The Everton said that love conquered all, but they weren't actually speaking about us. They were speaking to us. Just going through the motions, as your people say. Their religion was not about love at all. It was about... control. And I found out the hard way that looking like a daughter didn't mean the same as being a daughter.
3: Fuck. That's heavy.
5: I suppose so. It seems like a... Distant memory now.
3: Uh, these snakes are watching us.
1: Indeed, the snakes had all stopped what they were doing, and were watching the little troop. What's happening?
3: Hmm,
5: I'd say that they're seriously contemplating your death. Yours in particular, Agent Harris. At least that's the vibe I'm getting. Should we no there's no need to worry no harm will come to you while we remain together just
2: the same maybe we should get on with it
1: it's a bit difficult to interrogate your host if you're worried about a colony of outworld snake creatures fantasizing about your murder so our cadre said little more for the rest of the journey along the serpent's road when finally they arrived at the end of the path the forest opened fully into a large plain where an enormous mountain almost alone in a barren landscape, rose out of the near horizon.
5: The fortune teller lies just ahead, near the fork.
1: Except when she doesn't. And the area where maybe she should have been is instead occupied by a burned-out husk of a little cottage. That's unfortunate.
3: Figures.
5: Oh dear, this is very troubling. I should have felt... We should have sensed the... The loss.
2: Well, that's a bit of an eggshell in the omelet, isn't it? Especially for Pasha. Sorry, buddy. It looks like you're going to be, uh, in pieces a little longer.
4: It's okay. Hi, I'm Pasha. Uh
3: Uh-huh. We know. Pasha, we know.
5: Ah, Pasha. No worries for Pasha. I will do for you what was promised, Agent Harris. Please take my hand. My right hand,
3: as you see. Take your right hand? Yes, hold firmly to it. Um, take it in what sense? Like, hold it? No, I'll need you to take it. I can't take it myself, I can only give it. But you all- you already, uh, the Weaver. You're down to just one here.
5: Ah, <laughs> oh, you humans and your attachment to matter. Do not worry, Agent Harris. My hands have done a great deal since the turning of the clocks. They've been called to do this last good work.
3: Okay. Sure.
1: It won't hurt?
5: No, Agent Harris. There will be no pain.
1: It's not easy severing a hand, even if you've seen it done before. Thankfully, Harris is a good sport, and is really looking out for Pasha just lately. They've kind of grown thick as thieves in the last few days... I do wonder about them.
3: Mm, maybe like, like this? Uh-huh.
1: Pythia's hand breaks free with barely a tug, and she seems, all things considered, no worse for wear. Once free, the hand begins to wriggle, which is a little more than Harris can handle, which causes him to drop it. Almost immediately, the fingers grow grotesquely long and begin arcing toward Pasha kind of feeling their way blindly toward them. They finally grope their way toward the helmet and then tap a little beat against the side before being slowly absorbed by the dark contained space therein. Eventually the hand is completely subsumed, or consumed, or whatever happens to incorporeal matter when it is devoured by an ultra dense fully aware galaxy. Pasha looks out from the helmet and then lets out Nice.
3: Whoa, Pasha?
1: Man, it's hard to keep a good Pasha down. After the little meal... Is that what we just witnessed? After the meal, the Pasha head starts quaking like a leaf on a tree, and a small body, like that of a toddler's, kind of oozes out, all black and filled with that strange blue starlight. Pasha, now with chubby little legs, hops out of their sling and to the ground, and begins to toddle around.
4: Wander, Wander, look, look. Yeah, look at you.
1: You got a little body again.
4: Uppy, uppy!
3: Okay, okay, let me. Oh, hey, whoa, hey. Hey, buddy, your little fingernails are sharp.
4: (laughs) Your hair is fun to pull. I'm pulling up. I'm climbing up. Oh, I remember now. We need to go up. Ow. Up the oh. mountain. Up the uppie. Look at you.
2: You're a natural Harris. And you look good with a baby on board. Very
3: mature. You're hilarious. I can't help it. And I'm so amazing with children. Wait a second. Where'd she go?
1: The daughter, it seems, when the agents weren't looking, turned into a pillar of stone. Fickle, this world. The agents may not have noticed her stony departure but their slithering neighbors certainly did, and a great herd of snake monsters slither over toward them, singing in their odd, indecipherable language what can only be described as songs of praise and worship. A new goddess, it appears, has emerged along the serpent road.
4: Huh.
3: How about that?
1: The snakes turn.
3: Um, let's go. Yes, agreed. Whoa, kind of, uh, kind of hard to, uh, if baby Pasha squirming around. Want to turn with the little fella? Nope, I'm good. Right. You're doing great.
1: And with that, the agents and Pasha head toward the Mount of the King. And so we're all caught up on the here and now. Let's slide back to Everton real quick before we run out of time. Ernie and Margaret are having dinner with Ernie's brother, Eddie. Introductions had been made a while ago, but tonight, Ernie wanted to show Eddie how well Margaret was adapting to life in Everton and to the necklace that kept her powers in check.
8: Now this is nice, right? Real swell. Commies are on the move. Oh, uh, Yeah. I know. Albania is whole big mess. Right. And goddamn Stalin. So, you
6: like the chicken? Margaret grew the herbs herself. I'll bet she did. In the normal way. Right, hun? All sweat and soil.
7: That's right. They came right out of the soil. It was magic.
8: Speaking of magic, the book has seven symbols, right? Conway thinks that three of them are all pointing toward a cylindrical design. For the new energy wells. It's so damned hard to decipher that thing sometimes.
6: Hey, I know. Let's not talk Everton business tonight. Let's just talk about, um... Anyone see what's my line last night?
8: Murder rates are up. Did you read that?
7: Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a seed fall into the ground and die, It abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit.
6: Is she for real? They had a guy who could sing any song
8: backwards. Used to be people respected human life.
7: They did? Even during your war?
8: My war? It wasn't my war.
6: Who is this broad? Arlene Francis guessed this one fellow was a mailman.
7: All that death. Eddie, you were there. I imagine the terrible things you saw.
8: What's that supposed to mean? He was a teacher. Not a... mailman. Everton is safe. This country is safe because of my service. Why are we talking about the war?
7: Why do you do that? Why do humans?
6: Why do we do that? You're one of us now. She's not. She is.
7: My heart breaks when I learn of all the pain that this world contains. I wonder about your wars.
6: It was for a good cause. For the country. Hitler was a monster, hun. I'll... Let's talk about it later, though. This
7: isn't dinner talk. But Hitler was a human. Stalin is a human. It seems to me that you seek out your darkest impulses.
8: And what are you? You think you're so great? What about Grover Parsons? Didn't one of your intradimensional buddies travel a trillion miles and kill Grover Parsons? Ate him like a mouth of krill. That's how I remember it.
7: We are pulled through by your technology and twisted into a form and And then- And
8: what? That makes it okay.
7: Oh, Eddie. Your world... I'm so sorry. But this world... This world is broken, can't you see? I didn't do this, and neither did you, I know that. But don't kid yourself, Eddie. Do you really think this little town will be safe? Safe from all the poisons that are being pumped into the air and water? Safe from those split atoms waiting to erupt from your weapons of mass destruction? Safe from the anger and the hatred that still lives in the hearts of your fellow man and woman?
8: Everton is safe. Bottom line.
7: No, dear brother. It's not.
8: We have jello for dessert.
7: Ugh, Ernie, really?
6: Sweetie, that's all out there. All the poison and bombs. Eddie's right. Everton is
8: safe. No, Ern, she's right. I know it, you know it. It's terrible that we're learning it from someone from another dimension. But she's absolutely right. We can't keep the evils of this world out of Everton. Not forever. Even if we build a wall a mile high, it'd never be enough. There really is no out there. It's only a matter of time. Out there will eventually become in here. There's no escape. Not on this Earth.
6: We built this town in the middle of nowhere. We won't need a wall. We've screened every applicant to keep out the bad apples.
7: Mars patrols every- Mars? Not Mars. He's a good egg.
8: He's a drunk moron. Egg status notwithstanding.
7: See? Eddie and I do agree on some things. Cheers, Eddie.
8: Maybe you've had enough, my dear.
6: Is that your fourth?
7: Ugh, what a bother. You bind me with your little trinket, bore me with your talk of safety and security, and now you won't even permit me the pleasures due me. Shame, my love.
8: Ah, jeez. I'm not saying that. So what? Unchain you so you can kill us all?
7: Oh, Eddie. Your heart is broken. And your spirit. How will you make this world right when you carry so much pain? I'll manage. I suppose you will, won't you? Perhaps one day your world will resemble mine.
8: If the siphons work, perhaps that day will be sooner than you think.
7: How's that? I didn't catch that.
8: Oh, nothing. You're absolutely right, Margaret. I am broken, and so is this world. And maybe your world isn't. And maybe that's exactly what we should be working toward. Toward a world where the arc of morality bends toward justice. Right?
7: Yes. I'm joyed to hear you say that. And Ernie's right. Let's not quibble over things we cannot change. Excuse me, boys? I think there's jello to be had. I'll get us all a dish.
8: Yes, that's fine. And you're right, of course. There's no sense in bickering. Our worlds are very different, and there's absolutely no sense in fighting. It's just like they say. If you can't beat them, well, then you join 'em. That's the ticket.
0: Margaret's Garden was written by Pacific S. Obadiah and Jonathan Goldberg, with script editing by Frankie Serrano. Our narrator was Graham Rowett. Margaret was Jordan Cobb. Eddie was Zach Labresco. Ernie was Atticus Jackson. Washington was Risa M. Harris was Russell Moore. Pasha was Tanya Daughter was Danielle Elitz weaver was dana creaseman our composer is the incredibly talented danny sweet and i'm your sound designer and showrunner pacific s obadiah our producers are brad Miska and tom owen visit margaretspodcast.com for more information